I'm gonna tell you something. I'm Star-Lord. I formed the Guardians. Met a girl, fell in love. That girl died, but then she came back. Came back a total dick. Oh, please. He left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. My sacred mission is to create the perfect society. He didn't want to make things perfect. He just hated things the way they are. you all to know that I'm grateful to fight beside my friends. Incinerate them. <laughs> we were always searching for a family until we found each other. Are you ready for one last ride? fly away together into the forever and beautiful sky whoever it was that you were in love with it sounds more like her her do not bring me into this <laughs> knock it off what I never noticed how black your eyes were. They were replaced by my father as a method of torture. He, he picked a pretty set. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen, and on deck for today's episode... My recap of the A Million Little Things series finale. This TV show had me feeling all these different types of things. It went on for about five years, and uh, it was kind of hard to say goodbye to it. You'll get my thoughts on that. And then, of course, the main event of the show, my review of the new film Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 from director James Gunn. This is the final one he's doing with this franchise as he moves on to spearhead the DC Universe and reboot all of those characters um, so interested to see what he's going to do with that. But yes, this is kind of like a last hurrah. End of an era for this ragtag group of misfits. Um, they had a trilogy. They were involved in two Avengers movies. Also a little bit in Thor Love and Thunder. So you get all of my thoughts on that. And if you haven't seen the movie yet, and this will come in the later part of the episode, you're going to want to hit stop. Go check out the movie. It's awesome. And then come back and finish out the episode. But... Uh, been a little bit since I've talked about box office, and before I get to that, I just want to say a big, huge thanks to Miss Bernadette Thompson for appearing on last week's episode, which is uh, by far the most 
downloaded and listened to episodes since I brought the show back. So much thanks. It's all credit to her. She's amazing. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it's out on all the platforms. So go check that out. It was a nice and fun conversation with her. But yes, I haven't talked about box office a lot in the month of April because there wasn't really much to cover. It was all dominated by the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is, continues to make uh, just big amounts of money. And that actually let's gets us to this past weekend with the debut of Guardians 3. So let's take a look at the top five this weekend in box office. Again, not that much going on outside of Guardians and a little bit of Mario still, but here we go. At number five is the new film Love Again which was a romantic comedy, which I thought is it would have been good counter-programming for Guardians. Uh, I think, though, it had to have better, bigger stars in it. I couldn't even tell you the names of the people in it, but I'm all about the romantic comedies. I may check this one out at some point. Uh, but, yeah, if it had somebody like a Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock, you know, a Reese Witherspoon, some, something like of that combination. Um, and then, of course, like on the other side of things, you could have like a Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Gosling, you know, whoever it is. You know, just bigger names to kind of make this one pop a little bit more. But it was number five this weekend, uh, raking in about $2.3 million. And it's going to die off. The summer season starting. There's just so much other stuff that's going to come out. This is going to get lost in the shuffle. So this is about as good as it's going to get for that movie. But I like that Sony took a chance and released a romantic comedy into the big screen. Most of these are now like on Netflix and, you know, Peacock, you know, wherever you find your, your streaming movies. So, uh, I'm all for these romantic comedies getting releases, but you need your stars to, to drive them. So there's one coming out later in December with Glenn Powell and Sydney Sweeney, which I hope does make a mark, but more on that, uh, later as the months to come. And number four is Are You There, God? It's Meet Margaret bringing in 3.2 million for a total of 12 million. Uh, underperformed a little bit. I thought this one would actually do a little bit, uh, better, but, uh, it has, it has really underperformed and, um, uh, yeah, I really don't see it making that much more of a dent in the box office. At number three, Evil Dead Rise. This one's going to make Jake super happy, bringing in another 5.8 million, bringing its total to 54 million. I know he's bragging about the hundred million dollar uh, worldwide gross, but uh, I'm looking at domestically and it's, it's pretty decent for what it is. I'm going to give it props. This was originally also supposed to be on HBO Max, which will be turning into just Max in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I'm glad that they gave it the theater experience and I, he likes to brag about how he's sticking it in my face, but I actually want all the movies to do well in the box office. Uh, the thing with me and him is that he only likes to champion certain movies. So, me, I like to champion all the movies, including the comic book ones. I want them to all do good. Everybody should get a piece of the pie. At number two, as I mentioned, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which has pretty much dominated all of April, taking in another $18.5 million, bringing its total to $518 million overall. Um, this may end up being the highest grossing movie of the year, to be honest. I can't really see... Unless The Flash really pops, which I'm excited for, but of course I'm a Batman guy, so um, a little bit of bias there. But I can't see anything else possibly getting to this number. I mean, there's going to be a lot of big hits this summer, and then of course in the fall, and then once we head towards Christmas. But um, even I didn't expect this movie to hit this kind of numbers. I knew it was going to do really well, um, just because from the makers of it and all that stuff, like The Despicable Me, it had that same team behind it. So I knew it was going to make a chunk of lettuce, but I didn't even imagine this, and even all the experts didn't. So um, 
I'm really curious to see if there's a movie that's going to be able to match this kind of energy uh, this year. Maybe not, and that's okay. You know, sometimes you get random movies out, out, out of nowhere that'll be like the number one of the year. So this may end up being that one. And then number one, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, hundred and eighteen point four million. Um, not that much higher than Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, and we talked ad nauseum about that, how that one just plummeted. But of course, people didn't like that movie. It got horrible reviews. Audience didn't care much for it. Um, I work at the theater, so it dipped really, really, really quickly. Um, this one is different though, because Guardians does have a, a good critics rating right now and an audience score. So I'm hoping it holds. Really, I'm really hoping that it does because if not, this is really going to kind of signal not the end, but really like the stranglehold that the MCU has held on the box office as, as them being like the juggernauts. And I know I want everybody to have a big piece of the pie. Um, but if these start slowly diminishing and then, you know, everything else kind of just does like whatever, I don't know. I kind of fear for the box office a little bit, but um, this one, I, I think it's going to have solid word of mouth and it'll hold well. But the fact that it's coming in lower than part two. And, and of course this is post, um, you know, Endgame and all that, and it's been a really tough time for Marvel at the box office, other than Spider-Man, but that's an outlier. Um, Guardians was really like the last kind of staple of the of the previous MCU era, and I was kind of hoping for a bigger number. I think projections had this at 120, closer to 130. I If I had made a prediction on this, I probably would have guessed around 140, just based on... I thought the marketing was pretty good for it and, and all that stuff, so... Coming in at 118 doesn't sound too promising, but the fact that people are liking this movie should help it. But again, if it dips more than like 60% next weekend, then we can start talking a little bit about, you know, worrisome. And that's the top five for the box office this week. Um, let's take a quick break and we come back. I'm going to talk a little million, th- a million little things and uh, my emotions may start to pour out a little bit. This is going to be kind of a, a sadder episode just with the finales on that stuff. Um, yeah, let's take a quick break and we'll be back. Are you familiar with the concept of hypnotics? Hypnotics. Hypnotics have the ability to influence the brain. It's very hot today. To make you see a version of the world that doesn't exist. I have to know everything. What you see isn't real. Hypnotic, rated R, only in theaters May 12th. All right, welcome back to the show. And Hypnotic, starring my boy Ben Affleck, hitting theaters this Friday. Um, I'm not expecting this to make a huge dent at the box office. I don't know how much awareness it has. I don't even think I've seen a TV spot, and I just barely looked that one up on YouTube. I haven't seen it anywhere, but um, I'm excited for it. Affleck's my one of my favorite actors in the whole world, so of course I'm super stoked about it. Um, by the way, Air, which if you didn't get a chance to see that in theaters, um, shame on you. It's a great movie. Um, it's going to be available on Amazon Prime starting this Friday. So you, you can do a double dose of Ben Affleck if you've got the time, like I do. Um, <laughs> and you check that one out on Prime and then go see Hypnotic in the theaters and support him. Support other types of movies. Uh, this looks to be a throwback to like the late 90s, early 2000s, like thriller, with a tossed in with a little bit of sci-fi. This is from director Robert Rodriguez. Um, kind of a 
it's got his sci-fi stuff in it, but it's kind of, it looks a little bit more different than the movies that he's been doing, you know, outside of like Alita Battle Angel, the Spy Kids movie, stuff like that, where it was more gimmicky and very out there with the, with the special effects and sci-fi. This looks more character driven with real actors and a, and probably a nutty story. And I'm sure the movie's not going to be like the greatest thing. I'm not expecting it to be, but any dose of Affleck I can get, uh, I'm all for it. So Hypnotic in theaters this weekend, check it out and I'll probably review it next week. Um, okay, so time to get to a million little things and we'll see if, if I can get through this without getting too emotional. Here we go. Of course, I have to be like super dramatic. That's the intro to the show if you've never seen it, which most of you that listen to this podcast probably have never seen the show, but you're you're at least aware of it, at least for the females that are listening to this show, because it usually either came on before or after Grey's Anatomy. Now, I believe this show started like on a Thursday, which was a great lead in for, for this show. Um, and then of course it moved to Wednesday where it finally finished up all of its episodes, I think in the last year or two ago. Um, so a little, a little backstory on how I, how I got to get really invested in this show and why I'm, Feeling a lot differently than when other shows have ended that I really loved. So, you know, I like to say that I'm always ahead of the curve or, you know, just just ahead on anything when it comes to pop culture. Uh, sometimes I'm late to the party for the most part, especially with television shows um, like Friends, for example. Like I didn't start that from when it originally aired. I was still kind of like super young when it started. So I caught on probably at the halfway point of the series and then of course I caught up and then finished off with it whenever it ended in 2004 but the same can be said about a lot of shows like the Sopranos I barely watched that like a few years ago all right (laughs) and the show aired in like 2001 so I'm not always ahead of the curve when it comes to television shows and even like my absolute favorites Entourage I got introduced to by a high school buddy of mine and it was already after two seasons had aired so I wasn't even with that show from the beginning, and it's one of my absolute favorites of all time. But when it came to A Million Little Things, I was there from the absolute beginning. My best friend, who knows me like better than anybody, um, he recommended this show to me. He's like, hey, here's the trailer for this show. It's called A Million Little Things. He's like, I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but just watch it, and I think you're, you're going to like it. So I saw the trailer, and I immediately like smiled because... Before I get into what the premise of the actual show is, I just want to make this a correlation with it's kind of a show that I wrote once upon a time, like way before this show even existed. And it was sort of similar to this. So I got super excited that it was going to be I mean, obviously not the same like I wrote, but it, it has the same concept. So A Million Little Things is about a group of friends and it's set in Boston um, which is the the best stage to set any movie or, or show. I'm just kidding. You know, Departed, The Town. Uh, sorry, I, I favor stuff that's set in Boston for some reason. Patriots. Oh, well. Um, so it, it's about these group of friends in Boston, and they're a real close-knit, uh, tight group of friends, or at least so we think, right? Uh, and the kind of like the leader of the group, the the one that everybody goes to, the one that like brings everybody together and all that, well, he commits suicide. And the show's really good about tackling mental health and depression. I really hadn't seen a television show really tackle these issues like head on, 
and it does get pretty uncomfortable at times where even at the end of a lot of these episodes, they had to put like disclaimers and, and, you know, afterwards they'll have like cast and crew members talking about how you, if you need help to call these hotlines and all that stuff. So it, it was a real like intense show as far as like when it came to that aspect of it, but it was also just a, a drama show about characters and, you know, these friends that have all these different sorts of issues in their lives, but they're all entangled with each other. Um, and I wrote a show like that a long time ago, and it was kind of like the same concept, you know, like a friend dies. I can't remember if it was suicide or anything like that, but it was a a, a real good close friend that had died, and it was banding together like this close group of friends. Uh, the only difference was in my show, um, the characters were all spread apart at the beginning of the show. They're all in different parts of the country, and then they come back home, and it's, it's about the post- uh, death of this friend and how they come back together and how there's unresolved issues between all members of the group of friends and all just dealing with their lives, you know, professionally, romantically, all that stuff. So I was very giddy when I saw the trailer. Obviously not what it's about, right? It's a little darker, but this was a show that I was there from the absolute beginning all the way to when it ended last Wednesday. And I felt like very sad by the time that it was over. Like it just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the best show and it wasn't like a Sopranos or a Breaking Bad or a Better Call Saul or anything like that where it was like that was that's prestige television. But what can win me over when your story or and I'm not I'm not saying it didn't have a good story like there's a lot of really good episodes of this show specifically season one which I started rewatching with my dad. That was a really good season of the show but there were parts throughout where it wasn't really the strongest, but what was a, a constant in the show were the characters. Like, I love these characters so much. You know, Delilah and Eddie and Gary and Regina and Rome, you know, all these characters. I just loved revisiting every single week, even if the narrative wasn't as strong. So it, it kind of became like my real comfort show. And man, I, I'm, I'm really sad that it's gone. And if you have the chance, like go back, if you're interested in watching like new shows and all that stuff, at least watch the first season of A Million Little Things and you'll get a sense of the kind of shows that I like where, you know, it's about characters and, you know, these close group of friends. And I, I guess I, I guess I have a thing when it comes to shows, you know, friends, a close group of friends and living in New York, um, Entourage, these close group of brothers uh, navigating the Hollywood lifestyle. I just I, I guess I have a trope and this one really hit the soft spot. As well as covering like important issues like mental health and depression, you know, I've struggled with that stuff. So I could relate to a lot of the stuff that was going on in the show, but it was also, it gets me emotional because just cause I wish, you know, and I have friends in my life and you know, two, two of my best friends like don't even live in, in the city that I'm in now. So it's a little bit harder, but you know, you, I watch these relationships on the show and, and how close they are and all that stuff and how involved they are in each other's lives. And it just makes me wish for that kind of stuff. So I kind of live through these characters on these shows. So that's why I guess I get super sad and in my feelings when it's over. Um, and not that I want everything to go on forever. So I, I knew this show was going to come to an end at some point because the creator of it always knew how he wanted to end it. But it, it's just, it, it's a fun character show. And, and it was a nice comfort watch. And it sucks when those comfort shows end because what do you have to look forward to next? And I'm sure I'll find another show at some point. But when you, when you grow a relationship with these characters, and, and this to me was a miracle of a show. 
because a lot of what you see on network television now is a bunch of gimmicks, right? Like on NBC, it's like Wednesday night, the Chicago, it's Chicago police, Chicago hospital, Chicago law. Like it's all connected. Same thing on CBS, FBI, this FBI, that NCIS, this NCIS, they're all like connected universes. And it's all a result of like the post Marvel world that we're in, where everybody just wants to connect universes. I'm really shocked that a million little things was able to get five seasons. I never thought it would get like three and much less five. And it's, it was just a, a show based on characters and it's just, there's nothing really fancy about the show. It's, but it's about these close group of friends and they're really well-written characters and maybe, yeah, not the best stories sometimes, but they're characters that you're, that you love to revisit. So I highly recommend if, if you watch the first season, uh, it's super, it's a super strong show. And, and then of course it goes up and down throughout the last five seasons. And then even this last past, this past season that just ended, um, it really didn't get going to about like halfway in. Like I said, um, not every show is going to be a masterpiece like Breaking Bad or Mad Men or anything like that, or even Barry, which is airing right now. That's going to end soon. <laughs> just everything's ending for me. It's, it's, it's a weird time. Um, so I'm just in a, in a lot of my feelings right now about so many different things, but this show, I'm just feeling really closer to because I was there from the absolute beginning until it ended. And I can't thank my best friend enough for recommending that show to me. And he's even, he knew that I was going to stick around with it. Cause I mean, that that's not his kind of show, but he knew like that, that I would totally be invested in these characters right from the get go. And it was a very fun show. So if you get a chance, revisit it. There's, there's heavy stuff that's tackled in there, but again, it's all at the core. It's just a show about friends and entangled in each other's lives and, and, and all these different dramatic events that happen. Like a good soap opera show usually does. I'm, I'm addicted to these soap operas. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm sad that it's gone, but I'm glad that it was around and it was able to last as long as it did. And yeah. Um, I don't know what my next comfort show is going to be. I don't think there's anything right now. There's a lot of good stuff that I'm still watching. Like I mentioned, Barry, uh, which is just on a whole of the stratosphere. Like that's top tier television. That's about to end. I got the bear coming back in June, which just released their first poster. Um, that's a show again. I was late to the party on, but it's now one of the best ones that that's out there. So hopefully that gets a little run. Um, I'm watching the end of the flash that's about to finish. So a lot of end of an eras, uh, just different ways of where we're headed with television. And, um, I'm kind of curious to curious as to what's going to be my next comfort show. Cause it's not, it's not there right now. I love Barry, but it's not a comfort show. It's just, I think a top tier television show. It's very, very witty, but also very, very dark. Um, the bear is also super intense. Um, yeah, so a comfort show like a million little things, I may not find that for a while because it was just, it's hard to reciprocate or duplicate. Um, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be a while, but, um, I'm happy that I got to, to witness the beginning and, and the end. And like I said, like, and I appreciate shows and movies like that that have a complete beginning, middle and end. You know, not everything has to go on forever or get rebooted. So, um, and, and it just feels like a different, end of an era to a different kind of television show because like i mentioned the network t tv shows nowadays just have a bunch of gimmicks so it was a miracle that a show like this uh even made it through five seasons so 
this is my goodbye to a million little things. Thank you so much uh, to all the characters on that show, all the actors. Uh, I'm going to miss you guys. Uh, we'll be back with my Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 review. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be back. Let's start back at the beginning, shall we? Los Angeles, 2001. Local kids, street racers who became hijackers. If it could be done in a car, they did it. If it violates the laws of gravity, they did it twice. But the days where one man behind the wheel of a car can make a difference are over. You might want to buckle up. The great Dom Toretto. I'm Dante. I'm Shante. I never would have gotten behind that wheel. I'd never be the man I am today. He's coming for you with everything. Let's end this. That was awesome! We need PG 13. Only Peters May 19th. Alright, welcome back to the show and Time to get to my review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, been a fan of this franchise. Um, the other two movies are really solid. The first one, obviously, I still think is the best one. Part 2 I have a soft spot for just because the inclusion of Kurt Russell. Um, and for the most part, these movies have been kind of standalone-ish and separate from everything going on in the MCU, which is one of the reasons why I liked it a lot. And with them bringing back James Gunn and pretty much everybody else coming back, um, I knew we were kind of probably going to get the same thing. And we did. The movie is fantastic. It is a little too long, I will admit. I think it's running at two and a half hours exactly. And that's without previews and stuff. So the actual movie is about two and a half hours. There was, there was times where I'm like, okay, they could have taken this out. They could have taken that out. And that's as I'm watching the movie, so that's not a good thing when it, when it comes to length. So they could have tightened it up just a little bit, but overall, they did a fantastic job. I think it's probably the best MCU trilogy, and it's a weird thing with these fans and these marks and geeks, uh, how they talk about the, this stuff with trilogies. Like, a trilogy is a beginning, middle, and an end, like... There has to be a, a beginning point to the story and an end point. So when people come to me and they say like, oh, Iron Man's got the best trilogy or Captain America's got the best trilogy, I find that to be very funny because their story arcs don't end in their own movies. Like their arcs ended in the, what is it, fourth Avengers movie. So I don't understand how they can say like, oh yeah, those are great trilogies. Some of them are good movies, but you can't call it a trilogy if the narrative doesn't finish. Same thing for Star Wars. These People are weird with like, oh yeah, the, the original trilogy. Well, there is no original trilogy because the story continues in The Force Awakens. So, I don't know. They're just super weird with that. But with Guardians, this really did feel like a beginning, middle, and an end to the story arc with this group of characters. Which has, this is probably also one of the funnier entries in the series. I was laughing a lot during during this movie. Uh, the jokes really did hit. And of course, it hit with all of the emotions. The one thing I always made fun of to my my best friend, who's like a huge Marvel stan, um, I always made fun of them bringing in the Rocket Raccoon character, and I was like, "How are they ever going to make us take that serious?" And I mean, they it was still like a silly thing in the first two movies, and then him in the interacting with the Avengers, and I think he even interacts with Robert Downey Jr. at some point in the in Endgame, 
And I still found that to be a little like silly and out of place. But man, in this movie, did they fucking do it? Like James Gunn got me to care about Rocket Raccoon as a character and just super integral to the whole story of, of Marvel and, and this chapter of what they're trying to do with this, with this crew. Um, Marvel finally had a, another great villain, one that you really wanted to see him get his. I forgot the actor's name, but he was like in Peacemaker. So he's a James Gunn fellow actor. I would love to see him. I know all this stuff's going on with Jonathan Majors with Kang and, you know, he's got a lot of legal troubles going on right now. So I don't know if he's going to stay on as that character, but in the case that he's not and Disney pulls him and they have to like redirect or just, you know, change course, this guy would be a good substitute to play the Kang character. He was menacing. Uh, he was like, you hated him. Like in this movie, you absolutely wanted to see him like get killed or get beaten up. And there's a lot of dark stuff that happens in this movie. So it is pretty heavy. So if you're taking your kids, just forewarned, there's, there's some stuff in there. I was like, whoa, I was telling my best friend, I was like, man, it even made me jump out of my seat and say like, you know, oh fuck, like this is, this is heavy shit. Um, but yeah, the, the movies, the movie's super fun, but also very emotional and brings an end to everything. And, of course, it sets the stage for what's going to come later on because obviously this can't be like the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy completely because they have a whole universe that they got to connect it to. Uh, but it'll be like a different version of the team. So, but as far as like this crew, uh, that were in, involved in the last two movies, like this is it. And even a lot of the actors have said like, yeah, I'm done playing this character. If they want to recast it, that's fine because we want to see it go on. But as far as like these actors that have played these roles, um, all of them together as a group, this is going to be it. Now, there's some that are going to be returning at some point. Um, there are two end credit stingers for this movie, one that teases what the new Guardians of the Galaxy is going to look like. Again, spoilers, sorry if, you, if you're listening. Um, I warned you at the beginning, so sorry about that. Um, but yes, the first end credit stinger teases you what the uh, next Guardians crew is going to look like. And then the second one teases that eventually at some point the Star-Lord character is going to return. Now, whether that's Chris Pratt in the role or if they recast it, I don't know. But considering that they got uh, two more Avengers movies to do in the next couple of years, um, I can't imagine them recasting Star-Lord just yet. So I'm assuming that Chris Pratt will come back in some capacity. Um, and man, what a career he's had so far, right? With uh, Super Mario Brothers and Jurassic World and Lego movies. Like, that guy's just nailing it on all fronts so i can't imagine him not coming back to make some sort of appearance but he's also mentioned that it's kind of hard for him to come back if if james gunn's not at the helm doing uh you know the work for his character because we all know james gunn's going to go and do the dc stuff so that'll be interesting but if i had to bet i'd say chris pratt will be back um in the star lord character at some point probably in the Avengers Secret Wars movie. That's where I think he'll pop up again. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it. It's definitely the best Marvel movie since Endgame. Um, I know people are going to say, what about No Way Home Spider-Man? Um, let's be honest, that movie, like the, the best part of it was like the last hour when the other Spider-Man show up. Stop lying to yourselves. Like That's the best part of the movie. Other than that, it was a little bit overfluffed and overstuffed. But Guardians was pretty good from beginning to end. And like I said, my most of my problem with the movie was the length of it and also uh will poulter who i liked um i like him as an actor but i didn't like him as his adam warlock character there's a lot of plot holes there with that 
and a lot of stuff felt forced with him and I feel like it didn't really fit with the flow of what was going on in the movie. I know he's going to be involved in the future going on with the with the other iterations of the Guardians team. But for him in this movie it didn't work. I felt like they could have left that as an easter egg, although it was teased in in Guardians Volume 2 at the very end, but they could have just left another teaser for down the line, but I guess I get it. They got to go big and they got to I'm sure that character was probably uh more of a Kevin Feige saying, "Hey man, can we bring him in cuz we got to we got to move this story forward for the story down the line." So, I can see that because it just really didn't fit with what was going on. At least from my perspective, maybe you all think differently, but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was good from top to bottom. I recommend it. Um if it's going to hold at the box office, I don't know. Um like I said, if it suffers a 60-70% decline like Ant-Man did, then we really got to worry because the different thing is that Ant- nobody liked Ant-Man. Here, this movie is getting pretty much uh, good reviews from the critics as well as the audience. So it's going to be real interesting to see how it holds up in theaters and whether or not Marvel is going to start to not panic, but like they're, they're going to start to rethink the way they market some stuff. Because if they can't make it work for Guardians, which is like a staple, I think, you know one of their staple franchises then what's it going to look like for the next avengers movie which will probably a little be a little bit higher in box office but will it be the juggernaut that infinity war and endgame were like i think we've reached the peak of that as far as like a blockbuster making that kind of money on an opening weekend and sustaining it but we'll wait and see but yeah that's my review of the movie didn't give away too much other than a couple of little things so if you listened all the way through, I appreciate it. And then, of course, I hope you came back if you stopped and went to go see the movie and and came back and, and finished this off. But that's going to do it for this episode this week. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it so much. You can find this podcast on Podbean, which I share this link through my socials on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, you can download the Podbean app. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Wherever you get your podcast, pretty much it's on all the platforms. There's no way you can't access it. Um, leave me any feedback, any criticism. I greatly appreciate it. I decided to put my voice out here, so I deserve any type of feedback I can get, whether it's positive or negative. I'll take it either way. Um, this week is Hypnotic with Ben Affleck, so I'll probably be reviewing that. And then uh, Fast X is coming up soon, and then we're going to just get – Full on into the rest of summer and uh, wrestling's getting hot again soon with CM Punk coming back and WWE rolling hot with these amazing live crowds and, and record numbers that they're doing at the gates and stuff. So a lot of fun stuff coming up this summer that I'm going to be able to talk about. Um, but that's going to do it for this week. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Take care. Oh, and Neil, have a beautiful life.